0: Now we're one church that meet here, but we also meet in Haven, Waterside, Gosport, Waterlooville. Where, where am I missing out? That's about right. Philippines this morning. Isn't it wonderful what God's doing? And I really sense that what God is doing really is all about us coming with a fresh passion and a desire to know His holy Spirit and to let His holy Spirit fill our lives and be doing in our lives the things that he came to do so we're in this series and if you missed last week you can go back onto social media onto family.church you can watch it you can listen to it we've provided everything for you not to be left out now we're in this series called by my spirit and we're thinking of that verse in Zechariah not by might not by power you know, it's not about what we can do anymore. It's about what God can do through us. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We're taking a few weeks to look at the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. The indwelling, the incarnation, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, in the life of a believer. Who's a believer today? So this is all about you. Remember, believers believe, right? Dogs bark, frogs leap. Believers believe. When we begin to believe the things of God like we should, they move from being theological understanding to actuality and experience in what we do. Now, we've also been looking and we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit lives in you for you but he's also in you and on you for others. Imagine that when the church begin to realise, wait a moment, this earthen vessel of my life contains God. Man, you're going to be on the hunt for sick people to pray for them, aren't you? As long as you feel you're praying for them, you're always going to have question marks. But the moment you begin to, we begin to understand God now in us that's when we can pray for the sick lead others to Christ and be a blessing to the world on God's behalf so last week we looked at being filled with the Holy Spirit but it was always God's plan and desire for us it wasn't a last moment plan Jesus is on the cross God saying what are we going to do now it was always a plan and we studied last week how the prophets foretold that the Father promised and Jesus taught clearly the coming of the Holy Spirit. We also looked at the Old Testament or the pre-cross experience of the Holy Spirit was always leading to a better day. Now we understand that there's an old covenant and a new covenant, don't we? Covenant just simply means agreement. If I make an agreement with Pastor Paula... That agreement is in place until I come and say, I'm replacing that agreement with a new one. It doesn't then matter what the old one was, it's the new one that counts. We see that every old moving of the Holy Spirit being in temples and tabernacles was a part of an old agreement, a pre-cross experience. But God was always coming to a moment and a day where God would not live in buildings or boxes anymore but he would live in the hearts of his people returning to the original plan of why he made Adam. Now we also studied that incredible day of his coming. Jesus Christ dies on the cross, he makes atonement for our sin, he's buried, he rises again, he's on the earth for 50 days and after 50 days he ascends. That's the biblical timeline of the resurrection and ascension of Christ but when he's ascended at that moment the father then does good on his promise and pours out the spirit that's what we know as the day of Pentecost the 28th of this month is where we celebrate the day of Pentecost we've got Pastor Micah Wood from the ramp with us and I don't know anyone better To preach on Pentecost and the coming of the Spirit than Pastor Micah would. You're going to love him. So make sure that you come. I'm I'm doing a little bit of cheeky prayer at the moment. I'm like, I know it's just a date. I know that you weren't born on December 25th. I know that you haven't got my calendar, God, on your fridge. But would you move that morning? Holy Spirit, would you do something fresh on May the 28th in that morning when we think and we talk about that first day of Pentecost. Amen. Now we also established that the Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That he's the one that seals us till the day of collection or redemption. The Bible teaches that. He's the one who regenerates us but also according to Ephesians 5.18 he's the one who wants to be filling our lives now all of the other things the being born again the sealing the regeneration are moments where the filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience but God doesn't want you to live in the moment 40 years ago when you were filled with the Holy Spirit but every day saying come on God come on Lord fill me again let my life be overflowing for you Now, his desire is that he would be resident reigning and ruling in our lives, not just present. You see, for many people, the Holy Spirit is just present in their life because they don't acknowledge him as they should and they don't submit to him as they should. But the Holy Spirit never came to move into your spare room. He came to have access to every single part of who you are from basement to loft and everything in between and the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be inactive in your life to sit quietly he wants to be busy being a blessing to you and causing you to experience God not just in church services but when you're alone with him so the Holy Spirit doesn't want inactivity in our life but that's what many Christians settle for, isn't it? Are you spirit filled? And it's like we got the membership card and we speak in tongues for a couple of moments. Katabaga. And that means, yeah, we're spirit filled. But that doesn't mean you're spirit filled or expressing the spirit filled life. That's sin in how we love, how we live, how it's more than a language. Now, don't get me wrong, speaking in tongues is an expression or an evidence of being spirit filled but it's not the evidence a life changed is the evidence amen now we see in the early church of people led by the spirit they were just holy ghost hooligans weren't they come on when you read about the early disciples they weren't vicar of dibley were they just sitting there doing nothing waiting for jesus to come and collect them one day no they were they were being hunted They stayed at the house of this one man called Jason, and after they'd gone, poor Jason, right? Talk about bad guests for your your home, uh, the peace of your home. It says that after the disciples had finished staying with Jason, the religious rulers broke in and began to wreck the place saying, where are those people? Who were they talking about? The disciples. And then they said, those people who turned the world upside down, oh no, now they're here. Our city doesn't need any, nice, any more nice, normal Christians. It needs some Holy Ghost hooligans. Some people that know the Holy Ghost is in them. And they're not as scared to let him do what he wants to do. That's a part of a church I want to be a part of. Now, he came for a number of purposes, including empowering us. Pastor Sean's going to speak on that next week. Transforming us into the likeness of Christ. That's a key Um, purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit to help our lives be transformed into the image of Christ so that when we see him we will be like him. The Bible also speaks of comforting us and helping us but it also underlines that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us to be the leadership of our life. Isn't that awesome? That God wants to be the leadership of your life, leading your life to better destinations. Here's a key verse when we think about the Holy Spirit being the leader in our lives. And we read it, it's Jesus teaching in the book of John in those moments before he goes to the cross and he's instructing his disciples of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now it says in John 16, but when he, that's Jesus. Sorry, this is Jesus speaking. He says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you of what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, says Jesus. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I love that opening statement. And when he, not it, when he comes the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth or everything that is true. So when we look at this, we understand that the word that's used there for lead, it's a Greek word, and it's pronounced hodizio. And that word also means to lead. So when Jesus says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you. It's the same meaning as when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you. Suddenly God now in you, unless you put your fingers in your spiritual ears, wants to lead you from within your life according to his spirit. Now He will take the role of leading you if you give him the driver's seat. If you remain in the driver's seat, you make him a passenger. God doesn't want to be a passenger. He was watching the last time you drove and the last time you wrapped your life around a lamppost. He wants to drive now. But we have to say, number one, acknowledgement there's a new driver in town, come and live within me, drive my life in a new direction. Now in the Old Testament God led his people externally by the law but now in this new covenant he leads his people by his spirit within them in accordance and agreement to his word. The Holy Spirit will never say anything that the Bible isn't saying because the Holy Spirit will lead you according to the word from within you. The Old Testament, people were led by God by the law outside of them. God has done a much better plan for us. It's now Christ in us, Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. Now, spirit-led... The evidence or demonstration of being God's children is being spirit led. Let me read you another passage of scripture that's very important, and it's in Romans 8, verses 9 to 14. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. Now, when it says flesh, it means the old leadership of your life. You are no longer in the realm of the flesh, but now you're in the realm of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ they do not belong to Christ why because we're born of the spirit we're sealed with the spirit to be filled with the spirit it's funny when sometimes you meet Christians and they say you're a Christian yes I am are you one of those spirit-filled ones I didn't realize there was another variety Because the Bible says that those who are filled with the Spirit, who have God's Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ now living in them, are God's people or the Christians that the Bible speaks of. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. It's pretty blunt, isn't it? But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death still because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of the Spirit, here it comes, who lives now In you. So if your mortal body is going through something, the Spirit of God that's alive in you can change that and turn it around. If your soul is damaged, the Spirit of God who's in you can work with your damaged soul and bring it to wholeness. Because of the Spirit of Christ who now lives where? In you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to live by the old leadership of our life for flesh any longer. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now here's the key part I want you to grab. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All right, three quick things we take from that passage. Number one, here Paul recognizes the old former Adam-related soul driven leadership who we were before christ but also now recognizes the presence of the holy spirit in the believer's life to be the one that leads them his spirit now within us always leads us in god's direction number three that those who allow their lives to be led by the spirit are living like god's family come on those who are led by the spirit are children of god so, when heaven looks at us, we're all saved, we're all born again, we're all going to heaven if we've placed faith in Jesus Christ. But when heaven looks at a person that says, I'm not living my way anymore, Holy Spirit, show me how to live, it's like heaven looks down and says, There's our kids. I, I want to be seen as one of God's kids, don't you? Now I am in my salvation, don't get me wrong because we don't believe in a salvation based upon works. We're not Catholic in our belief. We are Pentecostal, we believe that a person is saved by placing faith in the grace of God alone. But the Bible says that we stick out in life like children of God when we allow the Spirit to now be leading our lives. Everybody good? Now this means we have to understand the two leaderships in our lives. A former and a present. But before you were born again, you were born into Adam naturally, and Adam was your placement of where you were. When you were born again, you said, "Jesus, I place faith in you. I recognise that your death is my death, your burial is my burial, your resurrection is my resurrection. My life is now taken by the Father from separation and placed in you." That moment we are born again. And now we're to be led by new leadership in our life. Now think back before you were a Christian. You got up and did what you wanted to do. Everything was about how you felt. You did the things that you were comfortable with. That was the flesh. That was the old leadership of who you were. Now you've got God's spirit in you saying, no, don't go that way anymore. Don't treat people like that anymore. Now you can't have unforgiveness in your life anymore. There's a new sound of leadership within your life. A spirit-filled Christian is somebody filled with the spirit. A spirit-led Christian is a believer that's saying I'm no longer going to go in the direction of what my soul wants... Outside of God's agreement, I'm now going to be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Guess what? When you make that decision, you stop ending up in dead ends. Because what, what the flesh leads you to is always death. And you begin to experience the abundance of God in your life. I love that. Now, God doesn't remove your soul because it's a part of who you are. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. That's your triune being by the design of God. When you get born again, God doesn't remove your soul and make you a spirit and a body. But we need to recognise the soul of who we are and the spirit of God now in us and bring the soulish leadership That which led our life for far too long under the leadership of the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. So that when we wake up and we're going to do something dumb or stupid, we all of a sudden say, what do you reckon about that Holy Spirit? Before, we didn't think twice, we just did it. Stupid is as stupid does, as somebody once said. All right? Life's a box of chocolates and all that jazz. But now we say, wait a moment, I'm not, I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. Holy Spirit, you're in me to help me live my best life now. Should I do that? And inside you hear the Holy Spirit go, no, that's dumb. And you go, well, I choose not to do that. I'm going God's way with this. Now that sounds brilliant in principle, but in actuality it can be a massive struggle for each and every one of us. Now imagine this, I, <clears throat> I wrote this in my book Breathe Again, which is all about the spirit-filled life. Imagine you're the manager of an office, right, and you've managed it, for me, 58 years. And you were the one that called the shots. You were the one that says, we do this, we don't do that. We're not going to buy this. We're going to do this. We're going to open this. You were the one in charge. Then all of a sudden, you get an email that the company has been bought out. Somebody has purchased the company. And not only have they purchased the company, they're bringing a new manager in. But I've been manager for 58 years. Yes, it doesn't matter. The one who owns the company is bringing a new manager in. You're going to have a number of choices, but this is how it's going to be. And all of a sudden, you're sitting in your office chair, which you ruled and reigned from for years. And in comes the boss of a company with a new manager and says, OK, from this moment, he's in charge. He says, what happens? You're not fired, but you need to now live under the authority and leadership of this new boy. Now imagine in any given office in Portsmouth how that would go down. Very rarely would it be, oh okay, I've only led for 58 years, what do you want me to do? Just tell them, have my chair, I'm going to sit over here, I'm ready for whatever you want me to do. Normally there would be a little bit of, <laughs> boss of the company say what? 58 years, I've called the shots Yeah, but it's not your company. You were bought with a price. Now your choice is really simple. Make it easy on yourself because the one that God's brought in is going to be the boss. He is the resident boss. And you can spend the next 20 years fighting him, but he's still going to do what he wants to do. But you'll miss out on being a part of it. Come on, we've got to be people that say, new guy in the office, resident boss, Holy Spirit now in this life. My soul, my soul life, my flesh is no longer in charge. It's now living under the rule and reign of the one who's resident, the Holy Spirit. Everybody good? All right, ever so quickly. Being Spirit-filled uh, uh, involves two things. Number one, acknowledging his presence and authority. Like the new boss in the office, you can walk around the office for the rest of your days going, he's not here, he's not in charge, he's not here, he's not in charge. He is. And you will benefit greatly by getting your fingers out of your ears and recognizing his presence. The other thing that we're to do is now do what he says. Oh, what a pain in the neck if somebody becomes a manager of a new office and nobody does what he asks. I want to be different to that. I've spent too much of my life being like that. Now I just want to daily say, you're here. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What are you wanting me to do with my life today? Holy Spirit, show me your way for handling this situation. Show me how to forgive that person and not write them off. Holy Spirit, show me how you would handle this. That's when the company begins to prosper, amen. So where does he lead us? Ever so quickly, I'm going to look at just four four or five places ever so quickly. Where does he lead us? Number one, he always leads us in God's direction for our life. And God's direction for our life is always abundant life. Remember John 10? The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's the destination of the devil for your life. But then Jesus says you don't have to walk on that pathway. I have come that you would have life and life in all abundance. That's the God kind of life. When we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our life He doesn't lead us towards death, destruction, theft. He leads us to abundance of life. Amen? Now, here's a brilliant picture of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23, right? Every Christian knows uh, John 3.16, Psalm 23, and Jeremiah 29.11. Every Christian uh, knows those three verses, right? But listen... But this time, make the shepherd not a physical Jesus, but the spirit of Jesus now living in you. Can everybody visualize that? Jesus Christ, the physical Jesus, is seated at the right-hand side of the Father. But the spirit of Jesus Christ, the shepherd, is now with us and in us. Let's read Psalm 23 to see some of the places he wants to take us. For the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He leads us away from poverty into prosperity. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about life. He takes us from places where there's nothing left to places where our cup is running over. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. When you allow, he refreshes my soul. He, when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life, he leads you away from chaos to calm. He leads you away from panic, early heart attack, other symptoms related to stress, to living a life of rest. When you're led by the Spirit, You're in rest and you're blessed. He leads me beside still water. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He leads you in the right way to go. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I love being led by the Spirit because he leads me to a table where I get to eat a lovely meal while my enemies are watching me eat. Who wouldn't want to be led there? He leads me by still waters instead of chaos and and typhoons. He leads me to rest, not panic and craziness. We need to be more led by the Spirit in this crazy, mixed-up society than whenever we've been led before thank you for that that was awesome when I was getting ready I really saw that point taking off you know and people going whoa yeah right well done Paula thank you so number two he leads us into all truth he's the spirit of truth so the Holy Spirit who's the spirit of truth now living in you won't lead you into a lie right He leads you into all truth but when the spirit of truth comes he will guide and lead you into everything that's true. In a world of lies it's brilliant to have the one who leads us by truth living in us. How do we work that out? Well sometimes I'm in rooms and people are telling me something that seems true yet inside of me I get like a quiz show buzzer. Anybody ever had that? (coughs) And I'm like wow. I sense God's Spirit telling me, that they're not telling me the truth. And he leads me into what is true, not into what's deception. He's with us to lead us in truth. He leads us in prayer. Anybody get to a point when you don't know what to pray? Right, four of us, the rest of us, could you give us a seminar? (laughs) Come on. I often get moments when I don't know what to pray. My prayers feel so token. They, 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 sit, they feel so textbook. But that's where I've learned, Holy Spirit, help me to pray here. What's the backup of the Bible with that one? Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God so when I don't know what to pray I've actually got two roads I can take because I'm a good Pentecostal anybody else I can know the Holy Spirit leading me in the prayers of my own language which is English just about but when I'm praying all of a sudden I feel no the Holy Spirit says no don't pray for that pray for this but also I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and one of the gifts that God gives us in that baptism is the ability to speak an unlearned heavenly language which is called tongues, which is apparently is the perfect prayer. Anybody speak in tongues? Hey, look everybody, I'm not a freak. Other people do it. It's powerful, but it's also very bad for your prayer life if you're selfish. Because in your own language you may pray this, God, I need a 30,000 pound car, sports car, big engine. Then you pray in the Holy Spirit and you pray, don't give it to him. He will kill himself. That's why you don't understand when you pray in tongues, because you wouldn't pray what you were praying. But you're praying the perfect prayer and the devil don't understand a word of it. That's a good response. Would you like me to teach on praying in tongues sometime soon? Would that, would that be useful? It's powerful. Look we'll at Gina to do it. Gina does that one better than me. All right. So he helps us. He leads us in our prayer life. So our prayer life is effective and not mundane. Don't you hate a mundane prayer life? Don't you get bored when you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, God, bless, uh, bless my mum, my dad, and my kids, a woman next door, and a, and a cat as well. You say, this is so boring. God thinks it's boring. He's the one that has to listen to your dribble. Well, you think God's going a little bit boring, but thanks for praying. He's like, get some life. Get some life already. Heaven's bored. Now, when we're led by the Spirit in our prayer life, we enjoy it and so does He. All right, a couple of minutes left. He also leads us in the Word, He's the great teacher. Don't try and understand the Bible without the great teacher. Sometimes people say to me, how do you get so much out of a passage that I've read so many times and never sin the things you say are in there till you say them? It ain't me. Listen, before the Holy Spirit got his hands on me, I was as thick as a donut. If he took his hands off, I'd revert to donut condition. I would. The teacher... When you open the Bible, the Holy Spirit leans over your shoulder and says, let me bring you from mental understanding and conclusion to revelation. See, the Bible has many layers. You can dance on the surface your whole life, but you don't have to. Because you can open your Bible and you can say, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher sent from heaven to help me understand the mysteries of God. Holy Spirit, be my teacher today. Maybe you're saying, well, where's that in the Bible? Thank you for asking. John 14. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance to all that I've said to you. John sixteen thirteen. He will guide you into all truth. Now, Ephesians 1.17 says that he's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowing of God. So if you want to know God like you can know God, you need to allow the Holy Spirit who's the spirit, Ephesians 1.16, of wisdom and revelation in the knowing of God. Next time you open your Bible, which is hopefully today, Why don't take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand this stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like you've got the best teacher leaning over your shoulder, explaining everything. So among the other things that God does when he lives in our life is he empowers us. We're going to learn about that next week. He comforts us. He helps us. But I love what we've spoken about today. He leads us but there's one problem that involves us and again it's called our choice. God has put his spirit in you. If you've asked to be filled with the spirit God will always fill you with the spirit but it's up to us whether we just keep living business as normal or if we say no this is a new day. No more dumb decisions, no soulish led life. I don't want to be led by the flesh of who I am anymore. Holy Spirit, lift your voice within me. Show me how to pray. Help me to understand the word. Lead me in the paths of righteousness. Guide me before still waters and quiet streams and green pastures. Holy Spirit, no longer be inactive in me. No longer be merely present, but be resident ruling and reigning if you pray that prayer you will get to sit back and watch your life go through the roof why there's a new passenger it's you there's a new driver it's him if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus that's where it starts maybe you're here and you went to church listen going to church doesn't make you a christian You could sleep in McDonald's, you won't wake up a hamburger. (laughs) Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin to give you a brand new life. Acknowledging him on the cross and receiving his salvation is what causes a person to be saved. Not good works. Well, I crossed 30 grannies across the street this week. Well done, You're still going to hell, but you're a granny-crossing, hell-bound person now. No, you didn't like that one, did you? (laughs) Our works don't save us. Our works are the demonstration of our salvation. They don't produce salvation. One thing produces salvation it's when we bow our knee to Jesus Christ on a cross and we say, Jesus, you went to the cross for me and as me, You died for my sin, that I could know your life. That moment, the Bible says, you passed from death to life. If you've never prayed that prayer, you need to pray that prayer. Don't play games with that prayer. Because your eternal life is dependent on it. Not that anything bad would happen to you, but if it did, whether you've prayed that prayer or not, will determine where you spend all of eternity that is not a risk worth taking can we pray this prayer together thank you heavenly father for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me I believe in you Jesus forgive me of my sin save me Jesus Give me a brand new life, Jesus. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, just mind every eye shut, every, every, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've prayed that prayer, I'm not expecting you to know all the answers. I'm just asking you to press play. God will make sense of the rest. If you're here today and you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your saviour and your king you've never received the gift of salvation that comes from him and you just prayed that prayer from the heart of who you are because you want to know that you're saved and you want to know a life walking with Jesus when I count to three I'm going to ask you to lift your hand don't worry about who you came with don't worry about who's in front of you who's behind you they can't help you only Jesus can help you if that's you today, I want you to be bold, and I want you to lift your hand when I say three. One, two, three, right now. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Is there anybody else? Another hand. You say, me too. I need to give my life to Jesus. You have to see that hand. That's beautiful anybody else you need to give your life to Jesus come on what have you got to lose you got nothing to lose you got everything to gain if everything I'm saying is true everything can change today is there anybody else today and you say I want to give my life to Jesus everybody a God lover everybody a God lover God bless you I see that hand well done I love that young and old what's his hand up over here saw a hand waving over here don't know if that was someone excited or father we pray for those who have responded today holy spirit would you now make sense of all of this fill them, deliver them break every addiction and thing distraction, deception off of their lives and begin to turn the world around That's their world in Jesus name just my your eyes are closed let me just speak this over to you again church and your coming week the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace